the While You Are Single podcast. O.J. Tokes' new, revised, and updated book, While You Are Single, A Guide to Finding and Keeping the Right Mate for Your Life, is now available. For more details about the book, please visit whileyouaresingle.org. Meanwhile, enjoy the podcast. Here is O.J. Tokes. Hello, how are you doing? Welcome to another edition of While You Are Single TV. I'm glad that you joined the program again tonight. If you don't mind, I'd like to open up with prayer. So join me in prayer. Father God, I thank you for another privilege to hear from you tonight. I thank you for the individual watching right now, Father God. I ask that you open our hearts to heed your word, open our ears to hear your word, open our minds to understand your word and give us the wisdom to apply your word into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Welcome again to All Your Single TV. I hope you have been enjoying the program. Thanks for joining again tonight. Uh, thanks for sharing and alerting your friends that While You're Single TV is taking place right now. If you missed any of the previous episodes, if you're watching on Facebook, you can go to the While You Are Single Facebook page and browse the video section and you can watch the previous episodes. If you're watching on YouTube, you can go to our website, whileyouaresingle.org, and you can check the YouTube icon to have access to our previous While You're Single TV videos. Well, welcome again. Tonight, I'm going to be sharing on a subject that has been in my heart for a while, and I think it's very important uh, for me to address this. I believe it's going to be a blessing to single adults who may be dealing with this uh, particular subject. Many years ago, I was asked to speak at a singles retreat, which was taking place in Denver, Colorado. So I flew down from Houston, where I reside, to Denver, Colorado, and when I got to the airport, one of the hosts of the single retreat was going to pick me up from the airport. In addition, there were other guests, other individuals who were going to the retreat as well, who the host decided to pick up at the airport as well. So we all um, carpooled together in the host car to the retreat. I happened to sit in the back of the car and there was an attractive young lady who sat beside me. We began small talk and during the conversation, the lady in question mentioned to me that she had been engaged three times and that definitely caught my attention. I was inquisitive. I was curious about what happened. So she told me that um, the first guy, he knew the word, but he had no money. I, I doubt she was trying to imply she wanted someone who was extremely wealthy. That's not what she was talking about. She, I believe she was trying to infer that the guy was not even in the position um, to take care of her. And um, she said he knew the word, but he didn't have money. And by the word, in case you didn't understand what she meant by that, basically familiar with the scriptures, familiar with biblical passages and stories and their meanings, things of that nature. So she said she knew the word, but he had no money. The second guy, she said she knew the word, but he had no money. Okay, I kind of understand where she's coming from. The third guy, she said, he didn't know the word, but he had money. When I heard that, I paused a little bit. I needed some more clarification about what she was trying to say. I thought I knew what she was trying to say, but I needed to know for myself if she was saying what I thought she was saying. You see, if she had said the guy was not a Christian, was not a believer, didn't care about God, but was wealthy, 
I understand why she will not want to marry someone like that. But what she said was he did not know the word, but he had money. So I needed some clarity about what she meant by he did not know the word. So I asked her, was he a Christian? She said, oh yeah, he was a Christian. I asked her, was he kind? Was he good to her? Oh, she said, oh yeah, he's a nice guy. In fact, if she needed anything, he'll gladly give it to her. Then I asked her, then what's the problem? She said, he didn't know the word. She wanted someone who could engage in the scriptures with her. Then I asked her, do you want a pastor or do you want a husband? Which brings me to one I want to discuss tonight, which is one thing that derails relationships. It's not the only thing. This is just one thing out of many that can derail or prevent a relationship from starting in the first place over spirituality. Over spirituality is one thing that can either derail or prevent a relationship from starting in the first place. In other words, people being too spiritual, too spiritual, and people miss out from what God is trying to do for them and with them. Don't misunderstand me. It's important to be spiritual, but not to be too spiritual. The lady in question, she didn't want to go out with the guy, not because he was rude, not because he was mean, not because he wasn't a Christian, but because he didn't know the word, at least from her perspective. Listen carefully. It is better to marry somebody who does not know the word, but does the word than somebody who knows the word but does not do the word. Let me say that again. It is better to marry somebody who does not know the word, who may not know who Mary is, who may not know who Joseph is, who may not know where Proverbs is, but is kind, caring, listens, has no problem saying, I am sorry. It is my fault. Please forgive me. Who is patient than somebody who knows Greek and Hebrew, who knows how the Bible was developed, who knows theology, who knows Aramaic, who knows what is perceived or described as the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, who knows the prophetic, who knows all the deep things in the Bible, yet they are rude condescending, arrogant, always blame you for everything, can't say they're sorry, insensitive, unloving, judgmental, quick to cut you down. Over spirituality is one reason why people either cannot get into a relationship or if they do get into a relationship, it doesn't last. I suspect part of the issue is that when God uses people, people think that is because they're very, very special. Newsflash, 
God uses us because of his grace and his mercy. <laughs> God uses us not because of who we are, but in spite of who we are. Let's not get caught up with the fact that God uses us. Some individuals, God uses them to get things done. Just because God uses you to speak life into somebody, to heal somebody, to reveal things to somebody, to help somebody grow in that walk with God or to help somebody figure out what the issue is in their lives, whether it's a spiritual attack or whatever the case may be, just because you know how to pray or you know how to quote a few scriptures or you know how to break down the Old and the New Testament and all the theological jargons that we know of does not mean that you know everything. A lot of people think that because God uses them, God speaks to them, God reveals things to them, they think that they know everything, but they don't. And that brings problems in relationships. Just because God speaks to you doesn't mean God speaks to you about marriage. God has a notorious way of not telling us everything. God just tells you what you need to know for a specific purpose, but he doesn't always tell us everything. Just because God uses you mightily in an area does not mean that God has revealed to you everything that you need to know to have a successful marriage or a successful relationship. You and I still need to humble ourselves before God and depend on him to direct us in every area of our lives, regardless of whatever areas that he has been effective in using us. The challenge with someone that God uses and God speaks to is that because they feel like God speaks to them and reveals things to them and uh, uh, reveals the prophetic to them or whatever the case may be, they feel like if they're in a relationship with somebody and there's a disagreement, they're going to think the other person is the problem because God speaks to me. God reveals things to me. So if I have a disagreement with you, then it must be your problem because God uses me. You can see how that relationship is going to go, don't you? I give you a good story, a good example. In the book of Exodus chapter 18, the Bible talks about Moses and his father-in-law, Jethro. You probably remember them. I referred to them not too long ago. And uh, perhaps you know much about Moses. Moses is considered perhaps the greatest prophet in the Old Testament. I mean, goodness gracious. He had a relationship with God like no other. I mean, God had prophets in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament. God had prophets, but nobody had the kind of prophetic relationship that God had with Moses. God spoke to Moses face to face. He didn't have to figure out what God was saying. He knew clearly what God was telling him. Moses was the one who saw God manifest himself in the burning bush. Moses was the one that had a rod in his hand and he threw that rod on the ground and he turned into a snake. Talk about experiencing the power of God. Moses was the one that God used to lead the Israelites out of bondage, out of enslavement from Egypt. Millions of people. God used Moses in a great and mighty way. Moses was the one that God used to reign 10 plagues on the Egyptians in order to get the Israelites out of Egypt.
Moses is the one, the guy used to part the Red Sea, talk about being spiritual. Yo, Moses is the epitome of spirituality. Yet, this powerful, greatest, prophetic man of God in the Old Testament didn't know basic leadership skills. Are you kidding me? I mean, wouldn't you think that somewhere during his interaction with God, somewhere uh, around the time he's trying to get the Israelites out of Egypt and getting them out of Egypt, somewhere when he's performing all these miracles and all that kind of stuff, that God would have told him, like, dude, this is leadership. This is how you orchestrate leadership activities. Exodus 18. His father-in-law was watching Moses lead the Israelites. He was judging them. And the guy was like, yo, Moses, what are you doing? You're going to wear yourself out. You need to learn how to delegate. Are you kidding me? Some people who have the gift of leadership or who know about leadership, even people who don't know about leadership, know about delegation, know just basic leadership uh, best practices. Yet this spiritual man of God didn't know it. That's just an example. I'm just saying my colleagues, my brothers, my sisters who consider themselves powerhouses as it pertains to the things of God. Just because God uses you in a particular area, whether it's healing, whether it's revelation, whether it's leadership, does not mean you know how to be a husband or a wife. I've observed for years that it seems like those that are perceived as spiritually mature, spiritual powerhouses, a lot of them either don't get into relationships or if they get into a relationship, it doesn't last. And in some, if not most cases, it's because they are overly spiritual. Their over-spirituality has clouded their judgment, has made them think they're invincible, like they know everything, but they don't. As a rule of thumb, I often encourage individuals that, listen, people who are truly spiritual do not come off like they are truly spiritual. People who are truly spiritual are down to earth. You're not even going to really know how spiritual or how spiritually mature they are. And people who come off like they are really spiritual, really deep in the Lord, always talking about what God told them. And God told me this and God told me that. And I did this because God told me da 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 da. It's one thing. There's a platform. There's an environment for those kind of things. But I'm talking about it's it wasn't like you are in a environment like that, like in a church setting or a Bible study setting or in a scenario where the person was asked or given the opportunity to express their faith. No, it's just out of the blue, random. They just like Jesus this and Jesus that. Just as a rule of thumb, people who are overly spiritual aren't really that spiritual and people who are. You're not really going to know because they're down to earth. They don't carry themselves that way. And guess what? My time is up for tonight. I'm going to continue 
next week on Dealing with Over Spirituality. Until then, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the privilege to hear from you tonight. I ask that you help us to be spiritually balanced. Help us not be to help us not to be overly spiritual, but truly spiritual and balanced. Help us exercise and walk in love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. Thank you, Lord, for just leading us now and henceforth. Thanks for just directing us according to your will. In the coming days, Lord, thank you for your grace. We receive your favor and your directives in our lives. Thanks for perfecting everything that concerns every one of us, Father God. Thank you, Lord, for the individual watching right now. Thank you, Lord, for blessing them, for listening. Thank you for revealing yourself to them in a greater way and continuing to direct their steps according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching. I'll talk to you next week. Take care. God bless. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope you are informed, inspired, and impacted. If you'd like to learn more about O.J. Tokes, his books, blog, music, and his monthly ministry for singles, please visit whileyouaresingle.org. That is whileyouaresingle.org. If you've been blessed by the podcast, we encourage you to please share with your friends. Until next week's podcast, take care and stay blessed.